0: You'd turn to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to be uh, turning our attention to the Lord's table here in a very short period of time. But as I got up this morning, the Lord just, I mean, just burned a message into my heart. Because as I was traveling, I, you know, smartphones are a wonderful thing and I can kind of keep up with what's going on here in the States. And as I'm, I'm looking at what's going on in Tulsa and I'm looking at what's going on in Charlotte and then the response in Baltimore, the message today directly from the Scriptures that the Lord, I believe, wants us to hear as the church is it's really time to take out the trash. And it's time to take out the trash of the sin of racism that divides us it is to me just so obvious and evident that we as the body of Christ have the answer to this absolute conflict that is racking our country that divides us and I want to encourage you please I mean to offend no one I don't claim to have all the answers but I know what my Bible says and I know what my Bible says is right 100% of the time and so as we move through this passage of Scripture in part two of Taking Out the Trash, if you remember last time we looked at the sexual sins that rack our nation, they're destroying our children. And now Paul moves on to social sins. And the content of these words written by the Apostle Paul, authored by God through the Holy Spirit, are so pertinent to our day and our time that I think it almost, it, it almost struck me as an epiphany this morning. It's like, this is it. This is what we as the church need to do, and this is how we need to live our lives. Because if we're going to survive what is happening in our nation right now, it's because the church is going to be what the church has been called to be. Amen? We have to, it has to start here. We cannot expect people who don't know the Lord to know the answers, but we have the answers in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That communion table represents who we are in Christ. It does not represent who we are just as someone of a particular race or another particular race. It does not represent our ethnic backgrounds. It does not represent our nationality. It represents that we are one in Christ Jesus as Lord. There is no such. Amen. There is no such thing as a white church. There is no such thing as a black church. There is the church and we as God's children are part of that church. And we need to tell the world the truth. And scripture does so for us if we just simply do what it says. And as you look around the room I want to encourage you, this is what the church is supposed to look like. Amen? We represent what God sees as the real church. Unified by the cross of Christ into this glorious thing called his bride, the church. And so would you join me in prayer as we turn our attention to Colossians 3? We'll pick up in verse 7, and we'll go down through verse 11. Father, Father, Again, thank you, thank you, thank you, for this amazing, amazing congregation, Lord, who so well represents who you are, Lord, all of the diversity, all of the beautiful things that make this world wonderful, multi-ethnic multicolored, just this beautiful picture of heaven, and pray this morning that from heaven your Word would speak to us loudly. And clearly, and we ask these things in the amazing, wonderful name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. As we begin, prepare your hearts, because at the end of this message, we'll receive communion together. And it says in verse 7, and notice this, please, very distinctly and very purposefully, pointedly, and willfully, that verse 7 declares some truth to us that we must acknowledge as the church, as believers, in which you yourselves once walked before you met Jesus, when you lived in them. In other words, it points back to what we were before we met Jesus. Those things that we looked at last time, which all of us, there are very few people in here that would go, oh, yeah, well, I'm okay with adultery. Or I'm okay with fornication. Yeah, I'm okay with... Most of us would go, you know, those things are not God's ideal for anybody. They're sin. But I want you to notice what's coming. Because there's no wording in here that indicates this second set is better than the first set. That these are you know holier sins. That these things are less offensive to God than those things which clearly we saw last time in the first part of this message. God doesn't look at someone who's a homosexual and say, well, that sin really separates them. But you know, somebody who's just bitter, they're they're actually kind of okay. Someone who's in an adulterous relationship, well, I mean, clearly that's wrong. But you know, the angry person who's constantly angry and filled with hate, uh, they're just a little misguided. No, Scripture says that all of these things fly in the face of the grace of God and thereby are not how we should be living as Christians. Verse 8. But now you yourselves are to put off all these. And the reason it begins that way is it includes the first list. Those things are obvious. But now the second list. Anger. Wrath. Malice blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. And oh yeah, by the way, do not lie to each other. In other words, don't be a politician. (laughs) I couldn't resist. We got a (laughs) debate tomorrow. I'm just hoping somebody speaks the truth. Why? Check it out. Since you have put off the old man with his deeds, because you are the redeemed of the Lord who have said, I to the cross of Christ, you are to take off those old grave clothes, that old life that you used to walk in. Not just the adultery and the fornication and the homosexuality, but the anger, the bitterness, the slander, the malice, the wrath, the evil speaking. You see, we call these the sanitary sins. But God does not look at them that way. And I would say to you that these often produce the others. And have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge, according to the image of him who created him. We're supposed to put off the old and put on the new. Who's the image of him who created us? None other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, no religious differences circumcised or uncircumcised. No physical differences that might separate people. Barbarian or Scythian. Now let me give you an idea what that means. The barbarians were considered by the Greeks to be the lowest of the low. The Scythians were the lowest of the barbarians. They're like the debauched barbarians. And he says there's not good, almost not good people... And bad, almost not good people, they're all not okay without the grace of God. Slave nor free. And we looked at this concept. The person who's the master or the person who's led by the other one. And would you please note what follows? But Christ is all and in all. How many churches do you see in that passage? There's one. And we're all part of it. Whether you're a Methodist or a Baptist or a Presbyterian or somebody goes to a Calvary Chapel or a non-denominational church, there is one church. And it it covers every ethnicity. There's not a white church and a black church and an Asian church. There is the church. Amen? Amen? That is what we're wrestling with in our country. We're dividing even in the church. And I want to remind you as we will turn our attention to the Lord's table, the reason Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 begins the way he does is he passes on the ordinance of communion. He says to the church, God forbid that I hear there are divisions among you. Because if the church can't get along, how are we supposed to show the world the love of God? How is it that we can be an example to those who are lost if we're doing the same things lost people do? And so family, to that end, it is time to clean out the closet. Now I don't know how many of you might still have in your closet someplace tucked there in the back... One of the old party clothes. And ladies, you know what I'm saying. It's that little black dress that's up to here. And guys, you know what it is. It's that jacket. Man, I am a chick magnet in this thing. As the body of Christ, we're not supposed to have those clothes in our closet anymore. Because the temptation is, man, I look good in this. And then what comes out of you is that old man, that old woman, that old nature, the way you used to be. Barbara Streisand did not come up with that, by the way. The way we used to be is supposed to be invisible now. We are new creations in Christ. Behold, the old things have passed away, and all things are becoming new. In other words, they start at that place that we come to know Christ, and they get better as we go on. And yet, how many Christians have a closet full of old garments? And the picture is tied to the resurrection. Remember what was said to Lazarus? Be loosed and come out of there. Get rid of those old clothes. And Paul begins by telling us what some of those garments look like. He says, man, take that stuff off. This robe, get out of it. Most of you, when you get ready to go out for dinner, you don't leave your work clothes on that you went out and did your gardening in. You're all dirty and filthy and slimy and scummy. And then you go put on something over the top of it, you take the old stuff off first, amen? Because you want to look your best. Can I tell you that God wants His church to look its best? He wants us to represent Him well. And to that end, he says, and and I really like what the New Revised Standard Version says here, it says, these are the ways, verse 7, that also once you followed when you were living that life. Oh, how the church needs to stand for what the Lord has done in our lives when he freed us from the bondage of sin. Amen? You've got to take off the old clothes before you can put on the new. You've got to get rid of the old man. You need to kick, no, ladies, don't kick your husbands out this afternoon. You've got to get rid of the old man if you want to be the new man. You want to be the new woman. You can't, they can't peacefully coexist. They don't play well together. Let's look at some of these old outfits we used to have hanging in our closet. And I want you to take a close look and I want to ask you right now to begin to check your own heart to see if you've got any of these things hanging. If there's a couple of these maybe on a hook in the back of your closet. Because I think this is what's driving a lot of the horror that we're seeing in our country right now that is destroying our cities. Destroying communities. Taking innocent lives And I'm being very careful here because you know what? There are innocent people on both sides of this discussion. We need to live as Christ has called us to live. And there is no room for anger on either side. And there is no room for rage on either side. If you were a believer, these things are the old clothes you used to wear. And so we need to start thinking like God wants us to think. Notice where he begins, the first of these clothes that need to come out of your closet. He uses the word anger. It's a Greek word, orga. And it simply means to have the wrath, in essence, that God should have. Now, I'm pretty sure that as saintly as many of you are in this room, none of you are perfect in your ability to discern what is wrong with any situation. And so God can be righteously angry. But here's an interesting fact. People rarely are righteously angry. We're just angry. And we start to think wrong. And then we start to act wrong. And what happens then is, is the other word that is often translated here, which is another Greek word, thumos, which is rage. When you bury anger underneath and you don't deal with it, very often the result of it is rage. That unbridled anger that is not perfect, that does not express perfectly what God would do in the situation, it just expresses your idea what you think about the situation. And it becomes quick, and it's an outburst, and people then do things that if they would just stop for two seconds and not be driven by fear and not be driven by rage and not be driven by hate or dislike or any other human emotion, but they would see that person as someone for whom Christ died regardless of skin color, regardless of their socioeconomic background, regardless of whether they're driving one car versus the next, and we value human life the way God sees it, that there is one body of Christ and we're all in it if we know Him, then it deals with our problem of anger and rage. You see, our problem is, as the church is we won't call sin, sin. There is no place in the church for anger and rage. None. No matter how worked up you might get about something, no matter how worked up I might get about something, I need to turn my eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face and the things of this world will then mysteriously disappear by His glory and His grace. Amen? That is the answer to the issues that we're facing. I'm sitting here listening to politician after politician talk about the situation in our country, and not one of them has an answer. They want to simply justify one side or the other, and they're both wrong. The answer is for us to love one another as Christ has loved us. That's the answer. And I know that's hard. But when we value each other as absolutely essential, when I look at every human life, when I look around this room, this is what heaven is going to look like, family. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation, fully represented. Because in God's eyes, this is the church. We need to start living that way. We cannot let hatred rule any longer. The time is now. If this is not stemmed, if it will not start in God's house, it will not reach anywhere else, because no one else is speaking that message save God's church. And he moves on to malice. And that is doing evil in spite of the good that you have received. As the children of God, we are saved by grace through faith. Amen? You've received the goodness of God. How can you then think evil of others? How can you then look at someone else for whom Christ died and say, well, they don't deserve it? Let me give you a little clue. Neither do you. I don't deserve it, but I got it as a gift, and I'm supposed to want it for everybody. I don't want evil for anyone. I don't care who they are. I am supposed to love as He loves, and I'm supposed to care as He cares. I'm supposed to look at other people and go, but for God's grace, I could be in a worse shape than they are. And so my anger and my rage, the malice that might be there, is dealt with by the love of God. We must live this way, family of God. We can't let the enemy win. The answer is the love of God that is shed abroad in men's hearts. Which then causes people's hearts to change. And then their words will change. And then their actions will change. You cannot change the outside of the man. Without changing the inside. It's just a band-aid if you do it the other way. Some more garbage gar- garments. Slander. And blasphemy. Blasphemy. Destroying a person's reputation for your own personal gain. That's what's so vile and disgusting to me right now about our political process. It's like no one can say what they're going to do that's actually good, they just say what is wrong with everything else. Look, what needs to happen is we need to start valuing one another. Start loving, Do actually, you know, novel idea, why don't we do what Jesus said? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Amen? That's what we have to do. We do it any other way, it's not going to work. I have to actually look at that person with whom I may not share political views and say, you know what, I'm going to love you because I'm supposed to love you. I'm going to care for you because that's what I've been called to be. I'm supposed to take off the old clothes and put on the new clothes. And my new clothes are garments of praise. And they are love. We've got to start living this way, folks. If there's any hope to stem this tide. And the word here that's used, blasphemia, is it means gossip and slander and rumors and Can I just tell you a pet peeve of mine? Stop slandering people when you're praying with others. Well, you know, let's lift up Sister Susie because she is just like, oh, dear God, she's she's like in fornication after fornication. Nobody needs the details, okay? You take that person's soul before the grace of God and you lift them up silently in your prayer closet and you ask God to do a work. Nobody needs to know about your sister's sin or your brother's sin. And if I use your name, I'm sorry, it wasn't intentional. We need to stop slandering people. And you imagine if the whole country started living this way? We turned anger into love and hate into joy and slander into helping one another. He says then filthy communication or filthy language, courts, coarse speech. You know, we have parts of the church that think that's okay. To destroy someone's character, their nature, or to speak evil about them, or use things that are unhelpful. That's why we're supposed to put them off. They're not like Christ. We need to just start calling sin, sin. All of it. Every bit of it. And put that stuff off. So that when the world talks to you, when you talk to those people that are in your sphere of influence, they're getting to talk to someone who actually lives, breathes Jesus. We need to put those things off. And one last suit, and while I bring this one forward, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up, and I'm going to ask the communion team to begin to come and pass out the elements of communion. The last one here. It says Lying. One last final suit. Can I remind you that the originator of all lies is Satan himself? And when you intentionally mislead someone, you get them to think something. And yes, I'm going to point the finger directly at our news media because much of it has a political agenda and rather than speaking the plain truth and telling the plain truth. They're trying to convince people of some agenda that they have. And so before you know it, more damage has occurred. We as a church need to say no. We're going to speak the truth. We're going to do what God's asked us to do. It's just time. You know, you could lie using the actual, you know what you can lie using the actual truth? It's the way you say it. It's how you phrase it. It's the way you parse your verbs. It's your facial expression. It's lots of ways to tell a lie. I can tell you the truth. I look you in the eyes and say, I love you. Or I love you. Same words, amen. Which one do you believe? One's the truth, one's a lie. Same words. We need to stop. Take stock of where we are in our world and take out the trash and strengthen the good that's in us. Having put on the new man that's renewed in knowledge, he's, he's saying, Look, you had a new point in time, and that new point in time was when you came to Jesus. And you're supposed to have a new, fresh quality about you. That's that word renewed or kranos. Because of who you are in Christ, you're new. We're supposed to take the old stuff and throw it in the dumpster where it belongs. Clean out the closet. Take those old garments that you used to wear when you were living a different life and please, in Jesus' name, don't dump them in the thrift store. Because no one needs your, your old party clothes. Amen? take and throw those bad boys in the dumpster someplace. Your backyard's big enough, set them on fire. Enjoy a barbecue. <laughs> but as you begin to receive the elements of communion, the first one's the bread, amen? That's Christ's body. He was beaten for us. A crown of thorns was beat upon his head. He was nailed to a cross. And what Paul said is he would write to the church at Corinth he said this he said now giving in these instructions I do not praise you since you've come together not for the better but for the worse and first of all when you come together as a church I hear that there are divisions among you and in part I believe it do you know how badly division hurts the heart of God because Christ died to make us one He didn't die to make us 10, 15, 20, thousands of different bodies. There's one faith. There's one Lord. There's one hope. There's one baptism. And that one Lord is the Lord of all of us. And so as you prepare your heart and as you've received already the bread, if you'd hang on to that, we'll receive the cup in a few moments. Notice what Jesus says in verse 23, if you're following along here in 1 Corinthians, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread, the same night that Judas would walk up to him with a cohort of Roman soldiers and kiss him on the cheek on that same night. He actually said to Judas, are you really going to do this? He gave Judas a chance to repent. Now I would have you notice at the end of this passage, the Apostle Paul says something striking to me. He says, please do not partake at the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. For in doing so, some are sick and some sleep, which is a euphemism for die. The Lord's table is a serious place. Now, praise God, it's grace that's brought us to the table. And you can receive that grace. But if you do not know the Lord Jesus, these elements don't belong to you. They belong to the body of Christ. As the Lord did this amazing work on the cross, he did so so that we could have our sins forgiven and that we might have a right relationship with God. In other words, we get an extreme makeover. Something happens to us that couldn't happen any other way. I I reach that place of salvation, and then I'm on that journey of sanctification. I become a child of God, but I'm getting renewed every day. In a moment, we're going to begin to praise the Lord and worship Him, and then we'll partake together. But the elements that you hold are for the family of God because this makes us one. We're doing it in remembrance of Him to the thief on the cross, to the ex-drug addict, to the former prostitute, to the embezzler, to the liar, to the thief, there was only one plan Jesus went so far as to say praying for the disciples oh father I wish that they were one as we are one so as you pray and worship and then we'll partake if you're harboring something in your heart right now that shouldn't be there as a child of God, you're holding on to some hate, some anger, some bitterness. You're holding on to some racism. You're holding on to some junk that's part of that old life that shouldn't be in your closet, that needs to go in the dumpster. Here's the glorious news. You can pray right now before we participate in communion and leave it there forever. And so as we worship, be in an attitude of prayer. If you need to go before the Lord and thank him, thank him. If you need to go before the Lord and ask for forgiveness, then ask for forgiveness. Because there's one church and we're all in it. Let's begin to act like it.